You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have a very special, a little different podcast. We're going to be talking with Sean Jordan. Sean is the host of the Adaptive Outdoorsman podcast, and Sean, as you will hear in this episode, uh, was born with a foot and ankle and calf disability and he had surgery when he was one and then he had surgery again sometime in his 20s and really it has limited his movement uh, throughout life in certain ways in others not so much but this is an awesome episode where we we have someone with a disability finds passion in the outdoors later on in life so you got two check boxes there right we have um, someone who has a disability who finds hunting uh, as a as a therapy I guess you would say or, or has fallen in love with it then we also have an, uh, a late onset hunter who has found deer hunting and really loves it these are the same this is the same person of course but it's a very interesting conversation about um, hunting with a disability, some of the uh, trials and tribulations that Sean has had to go through throughout the years. And uh, I, I wanted to share his story with you because in a way it's very inspiring, right? And uh, this dude, he goes out as much as he possibly can. And every time he stands up, there's pain involved. Yet he goes out and his drive to be a hunter is that strong where he fights through pain every single time he goes hunting. So a very interesting story. Uh, man, the last, I want to say 30 days, the last 30 days, uh, that I've been a father (laughs) have been absolutely crazy. I wish my mom or dad would have prepared me better to talk about the, the amount of feces and vomit and urine that a father and a mother have to clean up throughout the course of their child's life. And so I have three children, so I times that by three. And I'm talking, I feel like at this point, I've cleaned up truckloads of vomit and feces and urine. Just like, it's, it's, you know, my... My my six-year-old, well, sometimes my eight-year-old too, every time I see him go into the bathroom, they walk out, 
<laughs> Sometimes I'll go in there. There's a turd in the toilet, but there's no toilet paper. <laughs> and there's no, there's no, the sink's not wet. So they didn't wipe and they didn't wash their hands, which is absolutely disgusting. I feel like I'm failing as a father that I can't get this through the boys' heads. Now, girls don't have that issue, but my boys, oh my God. They, they're, they're definitely different. And so it's a, just a constant reminder. Did you wash your hands? Hey, did you wipe your butt? Hey, did you, you know, did you pee? Did you clean up the seat? Did you miss the toilet? Why don't you clean that up too? And so I don't know why I'm saying this. It's just what is relevant in my life right now. And I, I've had to cancel two podcasts in the last two days because of this sort of thing. And so I'm going to be struggling to get a, a episode out on Friday, I'll make it happen like I always do, but that's what's holding me up today. On top of that, I had to go pick my oldest son up from school today because he's got an earache, which means I got to take him to the doctor uh, at two o'clock, which means tonight I'm going to be working late in the office. Uh, so there is that. That's that's my life right now. Vomit, and feces, and running around like a complete madman like I, I lay down every night and I go, Oh my God, did I even do anything today? Did I, did I get anything done? So there's that. Also, uh, by the end of this week, I should have the, the full sneak crew neck sweater, uh, sweatshirt available and the licking branch tea available. So if you've already placed an order, um, just know that hopefully by the end of the week, I will get those sent out to you. That's the goal. Um, hopefully everybody gets those before Christmas. And then if you are, if you are interested in per purchasing some clothing from full sneak gear, uh, head on over to fullsneakgear.com. I am running a special uh, between now and the end of the year where everything has free shipping. Uh, and so there's no, and that's like six or seven dollars depending on where you live. Uh, so that's free shipping, no charge. Uh, it's almost like a discount because then I pick it up. So go take advantage of the free shipping at fullsneakgear.com. Uh, other than that, if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Tethered has uh, a huge selection of saddle, saddle hunting accessories, everything you need uh, to, you know, to, to get into saddle hunting. This was my first full year of what I would say uh, is being a saddle hunter. And I did not mind it. I really did. I really did enjoy it, especially on the running guns where you're not taking a bulky hang on stand um, that I've been sitting in. It's, it's nice to have a little platform. It's perfect for those one, two, you know, two and a half hour hunts where you're just in and out real quick. Uh, you know, you got to be out by a certain time in the morning or you can't get into the stand at a certain point in the night. Run and gun with a, a, a saddle is absolutely amazing. Uh, WaspArchery.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off your purchase. Go to, uh, go to WaspArchery.com, check out their lineup of mechanicals and their fixed blades. Uh, most of their heads are still manufactured in the United States, which, which is a huge plus, and I'm a huge fan of them. I'm a huge fan of their broadheads. Next on the list, Vortex Optics. Man, really, it's a one-stop shop. They have absolutely everything you need. Rangefinder, binoculars, uh, and they just introduced two really, really awesome binoculars this year. The, um, oh, crap, the youth, there's a youth model that I just gave to my daughter. Excellent, 
pair of binoculars for the price. And then the Triumph HDs, which is a new lower price point binocular, still with the same quality as all the other uh, binoculars in the Vortex lineup. So uh, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, red dots, range finders, binos, you name it, they have it, vortexoptics.com. Code Blue Sense, discount code NFC20. Uh, they have some new products coming out. And I'm going to get the people from Code Blue on within the next month or so. I'm thinking sometime in January, and I'll be talking about their new products on top of all the other products that they have. So if you're looking for scent elimination products, uh, Code Blue has it. If you're looking for uh, laundry detergents, uh, body soaps, things like that, the sprays, that's what the scent elimination. Then they have real and synthetic deer urines and they have the preorbital gland which is probably my favorite it uh running mock scrapes uh this year i i up you know i i upped my game in the mock scrape department and definitely uh saw an uptick in front of my trail cameras that had mock scrapes in front of them so uh that's it with the code blue uh woodman's pal uh this this never leaves my truck now it's in there. Actually, the other day, I had to go drop off uh, a, a load of wood and brush and stuff that I pulled out of my backyard. I let my garden grow up. And so I was in there hacking uh, with a woodman's pal. It's perfect for cutting shooting lanes, hacking access routes, you know, clear, clearing out places that might be overgrown, tree stand setups. Uh, Woodmanspal.com, made in America, excellent product. Uh, and then last but not least, Huntworth. These guys, I think they're running a special all the way till the end of the year or at least till Christmas. Go take advantage of uh, Huntworth's, uh, huntworthgear.com and uh, just take a look at their early, mid, and late season, especially that uh, the stuff with the heat boost technology now that it's late season. I mean, these guys, in my opinion, have one of the best, if the not, if not the best layering systems on the market they they literally have a piece that you can combine for every hey it's hot outside i don't need it oh it starts to get a little cooler add this starts to get a little cooler yet add this starts to get really cold add this and you're set so like four pieces i think yeah four four pieces could really get you except you know, four pieces per upper body and four pieces two to four pieces per lower body is going to get you as well probably two pieces lower body base layer and then one of the heat boost uh, heavyweight pants so uh, go check that out uh, huntworthgear.com uh, and that's it fullsneakgear.com go check that uh, company out as well brand new uh, brand new company i started this year other than that uh let's get into today's episode man with the adaptive outdoorsman three two one all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Sean Jordan, and uh, he has a very unique story to tell. Um, he comes from, what's the name of the brand that you that you kind of run and you have a podcast and everything? What's the name of it? Adaptive Outdoorsman. Adaptive Outdoorsman, yep. And so you can guess what that's going to be about, uh, but... We're going to get into all that here in a, in a little bit, but where, where are you from? What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm based out of Northeast Indiana, about 45 minutes South of Fort Wayne. Uh, currently still full-time employed at, uh, 
a place that does dealings with contract work through Caterpillar, Toyota Industrial Equipment, Minor, Bendix. I do cosmetic clean and paint for paint prep, so... Standing for 10 hours a day on bad feet is fun. <laughs> oh, so you you work uh, you work factory work? Yeah. Okay. And so, like, so you said paint? So uh, they come by, you fix the scratch and repaint but basic, it? Well, basically, it gets welded or uh, needs uh, burrs taken off. We take care of it. It ships out to other departments, but mainly for, like, Caterpillar stuff cleaning the welds cleaning all that stuff so when it gets shipped over to the paint line it comes back and it doesn't have any problems with scale or slag or rust or anything popping that thousand dollar paint job off of it yeah okay gotcha and then um man that's that's crazy uh and so you're on your feet all day Mm -hmm. okay which is even crazier uh given the fact that uh you know what you know the story that you're about to tell us so i say we get right i I say we get right into it all right um what's your story man what what is the adaptive outdoorsman all about so i was born with bilateral club feet a heart murmur malformed calf muscles which is part of the uh the uh bilateral club feet is Essentially, it's like your feet are closed in like a fist. Okay. And you're walking on them. Okay. So your toes are curled back yep. in. Okay. And and so there's times where I've seen that uh, you know some some kids get treatment right away for it, and mm-hmm. they you know they can do things. And I'm not saying about your condition. I'm saying about any condition really. And some kids yep. don't have the ability to get it taken you know, care of right away when they, you know, when they're, yep. when they're young. So was this something that has always been an issue for you and you've always had uh, like treatments or did you not get treatment until later in your life? I had surgery at one and a half, which straightened my feet out, I had pins in my feet and then keeping up with my brothers. They said, doctors said I'd never walk. Okay. I, I kept my brothers and put pins through my toes doctor said uh to my mother keep him off his feet she said he's got older brothers you tell him that so (laughs) constantly doing all this fun stuff as a kid not realizing that i had that issue i've had the scars on my feet and you know grown as they have i've never been able to move my feet i can't move it up down left right limited toe movement and i got achilles tendons that are you know some of the funnest things ever, especially before I had my surgery in my late twenties. Yeah. Cause I had to have a second one because I had scar tissue and standing for 10 hours a day was not even fun as it is now. Yeah. It was even worse. Okay. So essentially you cannot move your ankle or any of your feet, like any yeah. muscles in your feet. So it's just basically, Straight, straight down, basically. I lift up, and the front left corner or the front right corner of my feet when I'm walking is essentially that's the first thing that's going to be touching down. Those are going to be wearing down the, those. And the best thing I could state is the comparison is I've seen guys get up with prosthetics, and that's how I get up. 
Okay. It's, that's how I stand up on the occasion. It's like I can't do the proper stand up on the occasion. And ironically, the heavier I get, the more pain I'm in. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of, instead of walking heel toe, you walk toe heel? Uh, essentially, I have to actually lift my foot up higher so I don't trip. Okay. I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. All right. And so you mentioned that you had to have a surgery really early on in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but, but your mom made it pretty clear to the doctor, like, I'm not going to restrict him in yep. any type of play or activities because he has to be kind of, he has to kind of be like a boy too and, and, and do boy things. Yeah. Yeah. So how difficult was it for you to keep up, uh, not only with your brothers, but it, just in life? I didn't really think about it. I just kept trying and running. I mean, I was pretty lightweight at that time and yeah. growing up, I was the lanky kid in school. Mm-hmm. So having a yardstick for a width of a jog is pretty good, decent and easy. Yeah. Okay. And so then as you, uh, as you grew up, right, when did this whole hunting thing happen? Like, was this something that you, you fell into because of family or is this uh, a solo mission? Uh, this is something I fell into because of family. My wife, my son was about a year old. My father-in-law went out hunting. I had a youth shotgun from back when I was 11, but I never used the dang thing. And my father-in-law's going out hunting and I was wanting to bond with him. And so November 1st rolls around and I had literally about a week to acquire gear. So I went to Walmart and Walmart and got the pants, you know, the, all the hunting stuff, but borrowed the long johns from my stepdad wore steel toed boots, a jacket that's not windproof. You know, I'm just bundling up, praying to God. Yeah. And it was a cold November morning. <laughs> I did my research. I cleaned the shoddy. It's a single, you know, single barrel break action youth New England firearm shotgun from back in the 90s. Okay. And 20 gauge. And so my father in law going through the whole thing watch dvds we got up i got situated in the stand we had set up about a week before so and how, like, how old you know, were you at this point huh now i gotta do math with the kid because he is nine now and he was one so it was about eight years ago okay so i was just 30 i believe okay so from a from a, a i don't know uh compared to other people and mm-hmm. you're, you're pretty late coming to the table when it comes to yeah. to hunting and things like that. All right. So 20-gauge shotgun. Sorry to interrupt. Um, yeah. And so opening morning shows up. I am freezing wearing steel and to- steel-toed boots. Okay. And I paid attention to the video, luckily, and saying the does will come through first and then the buck will. And so I, I'm able to stand up a little bit. I got the sunshine on me. Buck rolls through. I take a shot and miss. He stops literally right behind the tree I'm positioned at. Yep. I load up another shot, and I actually fire into his breadbasket and flip him on his back. My first time ever shooting at a deer, and I actually do draw blood. Okay. 
and then he gets up and I'm still shaking. I shoot at him again. He takes off. I think I missed. And my first initial reaction is find blood. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And then my brother-in-law comes over. My father-in-law shows up a little bit later, but we're tracking blood, not realizing I should have just sat my happy ass down and actually waited. Yeah. And so this is the first time you ever have gone hunting. Yep. Okay. And you, you get the opportunity to shoot a deer, you shoot it in the guts and, uh, and then you got, you feel like you got up too early after that. Oh yeah. We chased, that was about eight o'clock, about eight Oh five, eight fifteen, give or take. Yep. And I think I hit him exactly where I was supposed to, mm -hmm. but you know, adrenaline and everything. Adrenaline and everything. Yep. And so pretty much we I uh, we go through and try and look for it and we find a lot of blood, but either somebody took the deer or it ran, hid somewhere and we couldn't find it. So not only did I shoot my first deer ever, I also lost my first deer. Oh. That's unfortunate, man, but for any new hunter, I feel like a lot of guys are in the same, you know, uh same basket as you right they they i mean I've, I've lost deer before i've lost probably five deer before yep. and so it sucks man uh now go, kind of going back to the adaptive part here uh before before that hunt right you you're 30 years old before that point were you would you have considered yourself an outdoorsman i mean did you like to get out into nature and hike or fish uh or was the was your feet kind of limiting you from doing that kind of stuff well i think it for me it was i was more of a video gamer at that time and then getting out in nature and hunting i got bit by the bug pretty hard and i just can't stop now from now on i've been slowly expanding you know watching meat eater and all that other fun stuff and just that hunting bug bit into me getting yeah. into waterfowl slowly building up equipment that actually keeps me warm yeah over time okay because i, I didn't have my first pair of uh, overalls that were windproof till about two years later or so okay I'm like, all right. And so you, you weren't really involved with the outdoors until you went hunting for the first time. Now, was this kind of a, a light switch moment for you or did it take a longer period of time for that bug to actually take hold? Well, for the hunting bug for deer, it was an instant light switch. I was out the next day. I was out the day after that. It was snowing out and I was running around with my father-in-law we were literally stalking uh spot and stalking in uh a reservoir yeah. and i was just learning as much as i could but yeah you know obviously newbie you still ain't gonna know much it takes a lot of things but right yeah and so my father-in-law he taught me stuff and then i started venturing out on my own then i come to find out i got some private land that's in town enough that you can't use firearms, but you can use bow or okay. crossbow. Okay. And so as you started 
your journey into hunting, right? The whitetail was the gateway drug in this in this instant. Mm-hmm. How did you adapt to this new environment, right? Because video games is way different than nature, right? There's no mm-hmm. there's no cheat codes or or anything like that, right? So you have to actually change something in order to, mm-hmm. you know, cuz deer don't live in your in people's backyards all the time. You no. got to go into the woods. The woods isn't flat. The woods nope. you know, have fallen trees, so you're going to have to step up all that stuff. So, talk to us a little bit about that that adaptation process into from from what you got going on with your feet to getting into the woods and and getting the job done. Well, a s- I cut my teeth on public land, thank God, because I'm I'm able to know you got to go certain places that you would not go otherwise. And my father-in-law taught me that, but he didn't showcase to me the techniques to learn because of my feet, because mm-hmm. my legs are poor circulation. Mm-hmm. And so those are the first things that literally go cold every time. Yep. And so I've had to learn over time what gear to wear where to put heat pads at and i've had to buy insulated boots which even with the proper insulate you know proper heating pads still can go numb and i'm like like this past year i had a an entire day set and i finally get out and my feet are completely just hypersensitive and just walking on them yeah so i'm afraid to get into a a tree stand where i'm standing all the time because if i stand for too long my feet will start to tingle and i can feel it all coming up my legs yeah okay and so a majority of your hunts are ground ground are ground hunts okay all right what about mobility um i can pretty well traverse things as long as i you know see where my feet are going Mm -hmm. because i can't move them very well it's pretty much if i trip i'm going down yeah regardless if i hit something in the back of my ankle and i'm backing up i don't have the ability to recover with the balance issue so all 260 of me is coming down in a crash yeah yeah and so do you when you're going out into the woods do you ever bring like a a walking stick or some type of uh some some type of cane or something to help you with your balance yeah if i'm not heading to which like if i'm not heading to a hunt my uh, family hunting blind yep so i'm going on public land i'm bringing a bog tripod which i you know utilize as a as a walking stick yeah essentially because I've had that experience, especially with my bad feet. I actually end up breaking my foot in the woods one time. Yeah. And, and I did not have the tripod with me. Mm-hmm. So I had to use the old shoddy as a, uh, this was during spring turkey season, several about three years ago. And I ended up having a bad break that nobody could see till I was out in the woods and then I stepped over a log and twisted just about a half inch of my body ways and broke my metatarsal and I had to hobble a hundred plus wood yards out of the woods. Dang. And so, and so you, 
so you broke your foot yeah okay that so, ended turkey season very well yeah me. and so obviously i'm just assuming here that you break something in your feet or your ankle the recovery process for you is longer and harsher than it would be for someone like me yeah it took about six months to heal up from that okay dang that sucks man all right now as you as you start to get in this new environment right your brain says like a a cane or a walking stick i i need this to get out now okay Mm -hmm. what other adaptations have you made to your gear or yourself to help you in this new environment lifting weights has definitely helped me because it's kept me strong fit so i don't have to worry about it as much Mm -hmm. but mainly it's go on pet paths you can see where i've been learning about the backpacks with the you know the straps on the front put those on straps just to hold stuff so i can actually have my hands free to be able to do stuff is a lifesaver for me yeah yeah because i do need that third point of contact on the occasion yeah like if you're climbing up a a piece you know a piece of steep terrain yeah definitely Uh, and i've actually had to do that with my father-in-law on the occasion and yeah it's not fun trying to use a weapon as a uh stick to walk up yeah. and pull yourself with what is harder for you because i got shitty knees and i'm not trying to compare that to what you got going on but what's harder for you going downhill or uphill 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 okay it's that contact pressure between the joints just hitting because there's like certain parts where the bone is actually bone on bone. Okay. So in a way it's fused and you don't have the mobility in your ankle to step on a piece of unlevel ground and basically calf raise up to the next step. Okay. So when I had my, I've had two surgeries overall, my surgery when I was one and a half, and then I've had a separate surgery on each foot when I was in my 25 and 29 respectively. They're triple orthodesis fusion. So essentially they fuse my foot to my ankle, essentially. Uh, so I can't move my foot left, right, up, or down okay. at all. It's just there. Yeah, pretty much it's there. And I said, okay, what would you do to take away all, all the pain? They said, we'd have to fuse your foot to your leg. And I said, no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. So regardless, I'm in pain every step I take regardless. Yeah every day so is there is (laughs) some guys and and i talked to a guy who fell off a roof and he broke his back and became paralyzed okay yeah and uh, on a previous episode of the nine finger chronicles and he went he personally you know he was he 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 wasn't born with this issue but Mm -hmm. it happened to him and then he went into a real dark place Okay. I'm sure this is mental, like obviously physically it's tough for you, but mentally, Mm -hmm. uh, did you struggle any time in your life and just like ever want to give up or go to the bottle or, or start abusing narcotics or anything like that to, to help with the pain? Yeah. Yeah. 
This yeah. was before I had the Darthodesis fusions. Uh, I was going, trying to drink myself where the pain was going away, and it never did. I mean, I could be stone drunk, and every step I take still hurts. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was that, and I've had, I've bought canes before. I was watching, like, episode of House, and it just hit me, the amount of limping that I was doing similar to him. I'm like, I need a cane. Yeah. So now I have a small collection of canes if I need them, if my feet hurt too bad. Are any of them camo? Unfortunately not. They're Walmart brand. Well, they have, what's that stuff? They have uh, stealth tape. Camo tape? Yeah. Huh. There you go. I haven't even gotten any of that. I wanted the uh, racing stripes to make me feel fast. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. So, you know, you had that second surgery. Um, and so did that limit your movement even more then? Never even felt a difference. The doctors, both, I had two different surgeries with two different doctors and they both said, um, we're going to limit your, uh, we're gonna, you're not going to be able to move your foot left or right. And I looked at them both times and said, never could in the first place. I'm not going to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't even phase me on that. Okay. And so it, it just, it, it really hasn't slowed you down at all. That second. It surgery. just took away some of the extra pain from the Achilles tendon. Gotcha. And that's a win, right? Yeah. Yep. And so as you, so now you have the second, the second one in your twenties. Um, and, but still how many, so that was like, what would you say? One was when you were 25, one was when you were 29 and then 30 is when you uh, decided you, you wanted to uh, do go hunting. go hunting since then. All right. Um, you know, whitetails have been the gateway drug for you. Have you done any, have you kind of branched out into any other type of hunting other than deer hunting? Yeah, I've done, my, my cousin got me into water. He's a big wing shooter. So waterfowl and morning dove, I got into with him. Haven't been successful with waterfowl yet. Uh, had a few problems with, um, other things happen during waterfowl season, but yeah. And what's every that? time I go up. So the first time I went out with him, waterfowl hunting, uh, game warden popped up. I didn't realize my shotgun could have. Oh you know, yeah. More. The shotgun issue. So I got popped with the 150 fine for that as usual. What would they call that? The plug? Yeah. The plug one. So yep. that got fixed immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, next season out with him, Went out and went on the reservoir proper, although it was low tide and whatnot. Indiana's in a weird position where we're, we're in between flyways, essentially. So we're not the lucky ones that get the meccas. Yeah, yeah. But so we went out. We were waiting for um, clear skies. We started heading back. We And we were heading to our place. We saw a truck roll through. Well, the wife and I's car was parked there, and he was starting to peel out because apparently he didn't like that there were too many people there. We get back at the end of our hunt, hunt that day, and I thought the, you know, I was so cold. I thought my back windshield had a little bit of frost on it. Nope. I closed everything up and then closed my door, and the back blast just blew out the back window. <laughs> so there was a four hundred dollar uh, uh, fun day. Yeah. So you were out hunting, and some dude peeled in through, peeled out in the parking lot, kicked up some rocks, broke your back window. Oh yeah. Awesome. So. 
So my waterfowl hasn't been properly experienced yet. Right, right. Do you do you have any difficulties walking in that type of environment? I'm guessing mud and things like that. Yeah, I learned water and me are one of the more unique ones. It definitely is different. I I found myself because we were traveling in boat during that time. But the water was level was so low, we had to bail out of it and walk. So I was using a cheapo Primo's, you know, single style uh, hunting stick and just using that as a walking stick to ensure I had like that three points of balance. Mm-hmm. Because walking in that environment, I knew I was going to fall, which towards the end of the trip, we got out to pull the boat in and my foot left foot got or right foot got stuck in the mud or whatnot and i fell over into the water yeah so waders didn't really help in that way oh absolutely not um uh any other any other new like small game hunting trapping anything else that you've kind of dove into i've dove into squirrel rabbit hunting uh morning dove which they said it depends on the year for that, but I've actually harvested morning doves before. So okay, yeah. all right. That. What's on the bucket list as far as you know? So, so you, if you if you're thinking elk, you got to know what type of environment. You obviously know what environment that they live in. You know, mm-hmm. you, uh, mule deer. Anything out west? Um, is that a dream? dream hunt? Is that a dream? dream hunt? The true dream hunt for me. I I want to get mule I want to get mule deer elk and all that I actually want to do spot and stock, but the dream hunt for me and this is because of my feet. Mm-hmm. This dream hunt is I want to do mountain goat or sheep. Okay, like extremely tough terrain that's going to force me to actually be in physical fit shape. That's better than my current one, and I'm going to be in pain the entire time doing that and also going and doing the hunt itself but yeah that it's the mountain that i want to beat more so than the yeah mountain goat or sheep so it sounds to me like you you want to do this i guess not necessarily to prove people wrong but to prove to yourself that you true like you you may have this issue with your legs but you really you you don't if you can accomplish this yeah yeah so that's the bucket list one that i know i'm avenge hopefully can get to in the in the coming years but yeah I guess. but as as far as right now how old are you now i am 38 years old okay so fast forward 38 uh are you mainly a rifle crossbow do you do any type of compound bows what's your what's your weapon of choice well, my father-in-law, he got me in on when Indiana just switched over to crossbow mm-hmm. and when I got into hunting. So my father-in-law, he had a crossbow. He let us borrow it and whatnot. So I never got into the compound thing. Mm-hmm. So I've been using crossbow and getting pretty good at that. And then I bought my own because I got tired of having to uh, let others lend it. <laughs> right. So... Then my father-in-law, he has Parkinson's and other issues, so it's forced him out of hunting. So he lent, gave me all his muzzle-loading equipment, and I just bought my own muzzle loader this year, this past year. 
And so muzzleloader season's coming up in about three days, in like less than two days. So I'm hoping to get out and get my final third tag filled. Yeah. But mainly I am a crossbow hunter because it was the thing I was trained on. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever see yourself going into the compound or traditional archery route? I would love to actually try it. Yeah. I would I would love to just because it's something new. It's a different style of hunting. It really is. Mm-hmm. Even though with crossbow, and I've talked to a crossbow expert at 10 point, you know, the really fancy ones that can shoot 1,000-yard plus quarter cent, you know, the ones with the rangefinder or everything. Yeah. Even she was saying with that for a hunting scenario, 50 yard max. Yeah. Especially in the environment that yeah. you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I can see myself properly hitting a deer with either a crossbow or a, tr- a compound. And I actually want to try a compound. Yeah. Because I've seen the guys that do it. I've I know guys that are paralyzed from the waist down or so they've done it. There's a guy I've interviewed on my podcast, Lucas Harrow dude uses tenodesis to release his release when he's shooting a bow and he got up to full. And this is a guy that broke his neck in the Mississippi in Wisconsin. Yeah. And so he, he got the muscle power and everything to get and to pull boat for competition and hunting style. Yeah. I'm like, so that's operational. Is is he is he using like a device on his elbow to pull nope. it back? No. Wrist round and tenodesis uh, to release. What's a tenodesis? So, I'm unaware. Uh, if I'm if I'm using it correctly, it's where essentially when you move your wrist, everything opens up and closes. Oh, so okay. When you move your arm, so essentially it operates your fingers for you. So, boom. Understood. So he's using he's using a standard release, or it could be a slightly modified release. I know. Several people that are paralyzed that use sip and puff uh, features. You ever seen one of those? So all their movement has to go through a straw. Yep. Okay. And so essentially, and I went to the factory, the place that produces some of these sip and puff machines. They're based out of uh, Columbia City, I believe, if off the top of my head. But pretty much you have the firearm the crossbow mounted in a syst- in a mount system which holds it down there's an actuator where when you sip into the straw it pulls the trigger for you okay yeah okay very unique so, um just another way to get it, all these people out into the to the woods mm-hmm. all right so that's a little bit of your story now talk to us about the um, adaptive outdoorsman and what what message you're trying to send out into the universe. So, I got started as we've talked about getting started in the hunting and the late in the game, but I was in the gym and lifting weights, and I got into the strongman. That's the thing that got me into the gym because I was like okay, this is something that you have to do this with, and obviously I'm going to have some issues. A friend of mine who's a a strong man, uh, she said, hey, how about we get you in the adaptive athletic side of it for the competitions? You don't have to do as much. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fine, but 
I got the idea for adaptive outdoorsman from that because I wanted to do something and I've looked it up and you look it out and see how many things there are about disabled outdoorsmen in outdoor media. Mm-hmm. I think my name is one of the few that comes up now. And when I looked, there was in terms of mainstream outdoor media or just having a presence. Yeah. There was none. There was barely any. Yeah. Or they didn't or yeah. I think I got off the top of one hand. Yeah. The amount of people. So I looked into getting into that. I contacted the usual name suspects, you know, their organizations or so looking to see if they could help. But obviously big names don't really respond to random emails that much. Right. So I just started going through and then I contacted somebody who got me in contact into uh, and at my editor and we talked about it and saying okay tv or video out of the prospect for the time being and so i said i want to do a podcast about disabled outdoorsmen yeah so i came up with and you know went through the whole process of trying to get a logo and then hired somebody to give me a logo because i suck at art (laughs) and then i went through the whole process and this is slowly over time i think i started back when about the year after because i launched in 2022 i believe yeah january 2022 and it took me a whole year beforehand to get everything around. Plus, I have a really nasty habit because of growing up with bad feet. I developed a very nasty habit of procreation, uh, not procreation, procrastination. Procrastination. So I, yeah. Um, and so it took you a while to get the ball rolling with that? Yeah, but I, I see this. Once I get the ball rolling it's hard to get me to stop because I know if I do stop, it's going to be like a slow moving train again. I'm going to have to go through the whole process of getting back into motion. Yep. So once I got those steps around and I started doing that, I figured doing it a biweekly podcast. It was what I could afford. It's what I wanted to do. It was safe, secure at the time. And so trying to get guests on as a new podcast as even in your experience, I'm guessing it was hard in the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Extremely hard in the beginning. Uh, but I had a huge, a huge pool to choose from, right? Your podcast yeah. is about, uh, ad- you know, hunters with disabilities or outdoorsmen with disabilities. And so that, yeah. that pool shrinks down even more. So yeah. I can I can assume that's one of the hardest parts about doing your podcast is finding someone who's connected to the disabled community. Yeah, it is a high niche podcast yeah. and I wouldn't have it any other way because of the challenge that presents. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to go with and I've actually successfully been able to do this. I didn't just want to go with Okay, industry, all this, yeah, and other people's story. I also wanted to tell the story of the past, yeah, 
with disability in history. And I've had on historians now. I've had on guys talk about Theodore Roosevelt, the mountain men like Daniel Boone, who throughout his life acquired arthritis in his feet, his knees, and his hands. I mean, he got in a river and, you know, being 40 years old or so, and he was in a river, he couldn't even, he had to be poured across on somebody's shoulders, you know, holding on to him because he just couldn't walk in the river. Wow. So that's so lots of cool stories. Um, outside of that, then you know you're you're talking with all these people. What what have you learned from talking with all these other disabled hunters? I've learned that they want to inspire the people. They want to tell the stories, and a lot of people do want to tell the stories to inspire the people to be able to get out and hunt. And don't let something that would normally stop you just stop you. I mean, keep moving forward, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so the message is don't give up is what it sounds yeah. like. And if, if like, whether you, you, you have been in the past a, a serious hunter and then an issue, some kind of mm-hmm. uh, disability uh, has caused you to slow down it doesn't mean that you have to because there's ways to adapt around your your scenario to get out there yep that's why at the end of my podcast i always tell people to stay adaptive yeah and that's a great and that's for anybody not just people with this you know you know disabilities all people need to adapt to their uh environment to be successful i mean guys that have uh shoulder injuries or whatnot i've talked with uh a chiropractor's you know full body guy uh, mountain physio preston ward and yeah that's inspiring what he does i mean helping bow hunters who've had issues don't have to go through surgery have him help you out and so here's uh preston's uh uh dear good lord i can't even talk today <laughs> his plug but yeah here's preston's plug for mountain physio yeah dude's awesome Right. And he's a bow hunter too. But yeah, he's helped guys out and he's had uh, experience in the disabled community helping people out. Mm-hmm. And I know he goes to Mountain Archery Fest and all those places. And so definitely going out and helping people. And I also advocate for crossbows really well because I know those have helped people out a lot. Yeah. And I know Indiana's got it's indiana has a concurrent season so basically it's all of archery season except you can only claim that tag yeah if you're doing that so well in iowa and this is where i draw a lot of heat from for some of my comments and i i I want i want your honest opinion i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you what i believe and i want you to to be 100 percent truthful with me uh and and talk to me about maybe i'm wrong Okay, I, I think you mm-hmm. probably, I mean, you've heard me talk about crossbows before. Yeah. Um, here's my thought on it. My thought, um, th- this is my opinion. I believe that crossbows are, is not archery. Okay. And so my, the way I look at it and the way I really like the way Iowa rules and regulations looks at it is I believe if you're elderly or 
I, I don't even want to say elderly. It's like 55 or something like 55 or 60. If you're over that mm-hmm. age, you can use a crossbow. If you're disabled in any way, you can get a crossbow and you can hunt in that season. But for like an able-bodied person, you they they're not allowed to use crossbows during the yep. the archery season. Now, crossbows um, can be used during our late season for anybody, even myself or you know anybody who's not disabled uh, in yep. what, what we call our primitive weapons season. And so the ability to use a crossbow is in that. What what are your thoughts on my thoughts? Well, I see. I mean, you look at history throughout the entirety of history. Crossbows have been around for the exact concurrent timeline that archery has been around for. And I believe the only reason why archery succeeded that was because it was ease of use and, you know, you could get more shots off. And that's from a warfare perspective, really. Yeah. But mainly it was still just effective, if not more efficient, because of more power behind it, obviously. But yeah. wasn't as accurate till you were able to get the scope on like Mm -hmm. the way i see a crossbow is is it's like a muzzle loader for archery basically you only get one maybe two shots and better make them count yeah yeah i mean yeah the loading time is about the same in my opinion as a muzzle as a muzzle loader Depending on the muzzle loader, yeah, they got the, the new muzzle loaders. Uh, it's a nitro fire. You ever heard of it? Uh, I, it's a, it's a real quick. Yeah, like you drop the ball down, shove it down to the shelf in the rifle, and then load up a powder primer shell in the backhand, close it up like a shotty. Oh, okay, all right. So it's basically a loophole to yep. call it a muzzle loader. I guess so. It's Indian- ba- Indiana is unique. All the other states around say, okay, that's a muzzleloader. Indiana says, nope, that's a rifle. Yeah. And I can see that as a rifle. And I can see your point of view on archery saying, this is not archery. It's different. And and that's where I say Indiana draws that line distinction by saying, it's a form of archery in that you're using a bow and you're using string and a, a broadhead, basically. Yeah. And shooting it. But you don't get to claim that deer on an archery tag. It is a separate distinction. It's not archery. It's crossbow. Okay. So if I want to go out with, uh, and buy a tag, I have to buy a specific crossbow tag in Indiana. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's a separate tag. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But, so, but anybody can use it, right? Yes. Okay. But in, So in Indiana, and this is very specific – if you want to use your bow for one and then your crossbow for another deer, because you can have up to two archery tags, and I'm using quote air quotations on here, um, you if you use your crossbow on one, you cannot use you can use your crossbow for two, or you can use your bow, but you cannot claim for either of those mm-hmm. essentially. So you use a crossbow on two deer, and you say, oh well, I'm going to use archery for that one, for like you know compound bow they will pop you because that's illegal now. Okay, I got you. So, I got you. So, yeah, they, they've they distincted as a separate season running concurrent, essentially, to it. Okay, so there's a there's an archery season and there's a crossbow season, and they just happen yes. to overlap. Yes. Okay. 
they go the exact same length for okay. three months. Basically. Okay, so uh, it's just a different tag is all it is. Yeah. Okay, I got you. All right, fair enough. Well, um, if someone likes this conversation or uh, finds what you're doing interesting, uh, how do we how do we find you? Where where uh, where do you put out your content? How do people get a hold of you if they're uh, disabled and would like to be a guest on your podcast? Well, if you want to get a hold of me, I am available through all social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I've got a Rumble account, which I'm slowly edging into with the audio visual portion of that. And I also got a YouTube channel, but I also have a link tree that's linked in all my uh, social media, which has access to everything. I'm on uh, Carbon TV now. So if you want to listen to the podcast there, that's you can do that or you can listen to wherever you want. And I have an email, which is the adaptive outdoorsman at gmail.com. And if you want to look up on Instagram or anything, just look up Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. My name is literally the first one that shot pops up now. Perfect. Perfect. Well, man, I'll tell you what, Sean, you know, your your story is definitely inspiring. I really appreciate you hounding me uh, to get on the uh, to get on the podcast. I know it took some time to get this one scheduled, but I really do appreciate your consistency. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very much. Good luck in the future. And, uh, man, thanks for being an inspiration to, to people as well, man. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Mr. Jordan. Man, really appreciate you coming on and talking about uh, your life and how you have fallen in love with hunting. Huge shout out to Full Sneak Gear, Tethered Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth. Uh, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, thanks to each and absolutely every one of you guys for taking time out of your day to download. Please go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and uh, yeah, that's it, man. That is it. Uh, thank you. Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you.